Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. You survived the polar vortex. Yay! We did it. Yeah, good job. That's kind of crazy, right? So anyway, well, uh, as Mary said, my name is Gray McCaig. I'm a pastoral assistant here. A new day, and uh, very glad to be here this morning to open up God's Word with you and to hear God's Word together. We are continuing a series on grace, and uh, we are talking this morning about grace cannon. Somebody asked me after first service why we didn't have a graphic of a cannon firing the word grace across the screen. So that obviously was a missed opportunity, but I'm sure somebody in our series will do it. Um, but when we say the word canon, we're actually referring to the scriptures, the whole of the Bible that we have presented for us. And actually, over the next few weeks, we're going to be just completely immersing ourselves in reading scriptures together as a church. I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a moment. Uh, first off, I did this in first service too. I want to just thank our worship team this morning for leading us into God's presence, but also um, one, I don't know who put the set together, but they were reading my notes when they put the set together because the connections are just pretty incredible. So let's just bless and encourage our worship team. I know they've probably gone, but let's just still just bless and encourage them. So we are in this series of grace, and that's uh, a big focus for us um, for this year. Grace and truth is kind of the series we're in for the year. And uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you've already heard us start talking about grace. And uh, we talked about some historical ways that grace has been understood in the life of the church. And uh, Pastor Mark covered uh, some of the major figures and theologians in church history who've talked about grace. Uh, Pastor Cameron has also shared with us about grace, and here's just a quick recap of where we've been. Pastor Cameron, a couple of weeks ago, grace is personal and grace is powerful. Two big takeaways from Pastor Cameron's message a couple of weeks ago. As part of that, grace is what we call an attribute of God. An attribute of God. That simply means that grace is part of who God is. So grace is part of who God is. And we most clearly see this revealed in the person of Jesus. Our main scripture for the year, John 1.14, which tells us that Jesus came to earth and he revealed who God is, and he did so full of grace and truth. Pastor Mark, last week, if you were here, he summarized his message by saying that grace is a free gift, it is powerful, it is entirely God's to give to us, and it comes to us by faith and not by works. These are big ideas about grace, and these are ideas about grace that have been worked out over time by many, many Christians as they've lived out their Christian experience, and thought about what grace means. But as people have thought about what grace is, they didn't just come up with these ideas out of thin air. They didn't just come up with these ideas because of their experiences with God. They actually came up with these ideas because they read Scripture closely. Because they read the Bible and what the Bible had to say about grace. And it's actually really important for us, when we're in this whole theme about grace this year, it's actually important for us to do the same thing as a church to go back to Scripture and to read Scripture closely, to hear Scripture together, to understand 
what grace is, and the ways in which grace appears to us through the text of Scripture as the foundation of our faith and practice as Christians. So, over the next few weeks, we're actually going to study the New Testament and what some of the New Testament writers have to say about grace. And this morning, we're going to start with Luke and what Luke writes about grace in two books, in Luke's Gospel and in the book of Acts. And over the next few weeks, you'll hear others preaching from the New Testament. And then in March, we're going to go through some Old Testament uh, scriptures together, looking at grace. Uh, People continue to talk about grace even up to today. There's a a current theologian, uh, his last name is Horton, and if you go to seminary, you end up probably reading Horton. And so uh, here's something that he has to say about grace. He says, in grace, God gives nothing less than himself. Nothing less than himself. And he continues, in fact, grace is Jesus Christ in redeeming action. Jesus Christ in redeeming action. Now, you might say, what's redeeming action? Redeeming action refers to the idea that Jesus is at work in the world. He is up to something in the world. And what he's up to, we call redeeming action. He's doing something, and that what he's doing is setting right everything that has been corrupted by sin and death. That's what Jesus is up to. And when that happens, that is grace. Karl Barth, great Swiss theologian, probably one of the best theologians of the 20th century, writes, grace is always God's turning to those who not only do not deserve this favor, but have deserved the very opposite. Now, there's actually only one thing that we deserve when we come before God, and it's not grace. Um, We do deserve to come into God's presence, but only in judgment. Um, That's the only, you know, without grace, that's actually the only thing we're going to find when we meet God, is judgment. So anything that's not judgment is grace. It's shaped by grace. We only can come into God's presence by grace, like it's just all of its grace. In the place where humanity and God meet, grace exists. Where we meet God, grace exists. Um, God is so holy, God is so other than us, he is so uh, just majestic in his brilliance. For us to even come into his presence, to even know anything about him, to even have any glimpse of his goodness, it's all grace. Like, all of that is grace. So anytime we meet with God, it's shaped by grace. So that means when we open up the pages of Scripture and we see God and humanity encountering each other, that's a grace experience. And we can read about it and we can learn a little bit more closely what does grace look like. So that's the question we're going to ask this morning. We're going to ask, what does grace look like in Luke's gospel? And we're going to ask, what does grace look like in the book of Acts? You might recall Luke is one of the New Testament writers. He is a physician. He was alive at the time of Jesus. He also was a traveling companion of the apostle Paul. Luke goes about his writing in a very particular way. He researches, he gets eyewitness accounts, he's very detailed, 
Luke is a highly educated, highly detailed, highly researched type of writer. He doesn't tell us anything by accident. So Luke is a great person for us to look at this morning. As we go through, I'm going to read a lot of scripture. And I want you to just hear and receive and let that scripture kind of wash over you and encourage you this morning. The scripture will not be on the slide because on the slide, what I'm going to do is answer this question of what does grace look like? And we're going to see together what grace looks like. We're going to start this morning with a couple of big ideas of what grace looks like in Luke's gospel. The first person we're going to turn to is a a guy called Simeon who appears in Luke chapter 2. Simeon was this old man who was hanging out at the temple in Jerusalem, waiting to see the salvation of God. Why was he doing this? Because God told him to, and God told him to expect that he would see the salvation of God. So picture this image of a very old man holding a very new baby. The old man is Simeon, the baby is Jesus. And as Simeon looks at Jesus, he praises God and says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may not dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Uh, What does grace look like? Grace looks like meeting Jesus personally, hearing about the mission of Jesus and seeing salvation. Uh, Simeon's words to us might not seem like much, but they actually were this radical declaration of the message of Jesus. That he was to be a light for the Gentiles and the glory of Israel. That is a signal from Luke right up front. Hey, there's something radical that's going to be happening here as you continue to read this gospel story about Jesus. In Luke chapter 4, Jesus goes to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down, and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time. And when the sky was shut for three and a half years, there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. But not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. I don't know what your response would be to this, but the people who heard it in that day were furious. And they got up and they drove Jesus out of town. They took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw Jesus off the cliff. But Jesus walked right through the crowd and he went on his way. Now, why were they so upset? Uh, Jesus was giving them an insight into grace. What does grace look like? Freedom and favor, but especially for people, we wouldn't expect to receive that freedom and favor. This was a radical message. The people got it, and they were really mad. (laughs) 
In Luke chapter 4, we continue that Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath he taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching because his words had authority. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an impure spirit, and he cried out at the top of his voice, Go away. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. And then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. All the people were amazed and said to each other, What words these are. With authority and power, he gives orders to impure spirits, and they come out. And the news about Jesus spread throughout the surrounding area. What does grace look like? It looks like hearing God's word, and it looks like deliverance. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus was in one of the towns. A man came along who was covered with leprosy, and when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. He said, I am willing, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him. What does grace look like? It looks like healing. In Luke 5, Jesus was teaching. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, and some men were carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus, but when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friends, your sin, friend, your sins are forgiven. Uh, the Pharisees and teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who's this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now Jesus knew what they were thinking, and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up and take your mat and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. What does grace look like? Forgiveness of sin. Luke 6. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, uh, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. If you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. What does grace look like? Insight into the heart of God and love for enemies. Luke 7, soon after, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and the disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. This was the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her, and when the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Then he went up, and he touched the bier where they were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still and said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up, began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. Uh, what does grace look like? Raising the dead back to life. Luke 9, late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging. Because we are in a remote place here. 
Jesus replied, you give them something to eat. Well, the answer, we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all of this crowd, but there's about 5,000 men. Jesus said to his disciples, have them sit in groups of about 50 each, and the disciples did so. Everyone sat down, and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them, and he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. What does grace look like? Supernatural provision. Luke 10, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? The man answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you'll live. But the man wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, "Uh, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, well, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, they beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. What does grace look like? Compassion for enemies. Luke 15, tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. What does grace look like? Salvation. Going after the one that was lost. Luke 22, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. And reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you do not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. What does grace look like? It looks like Jesus persisting in prayer on behalf of humanity. Luke 23, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, 
since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun had stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. What does grace look like? Jesus dying in our place and offering us eternal life. Now, these stories might seem familiar to you. If you grew up in the church, you've probably heard basically everything that I've said so far. But you have to remember that when people came to meet Jesus, when they had an encounter with Jesus, they did not know what to expect. When they came with a need for deliverance or a need for healing, they hoped to meet Jesus full of grace and truth. Did they know they would meet Jesus full of grace and truth? Maybe. We see different levels of faith in Scripture. Remember that where humanity and God meet, grace exists. And this is what grace looks like. Now remember, Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really interesting because it follows right on after the story of Jesus and his earthly ministry. And Jesus ascends into heaven and he gives this command to his followers. And what's really interesting in the book of Acts is to look at what did the earliest Christian followers of Jesus do? What did they say? What did they do? How did they act? What did their lives look like? Because what their lives look like help us to understand what Jesus was all about, and the things that Jesus wanted his followers to do. So remember, they lived at the same time of Jesus. They saw his ministry. They saw what Jesus was all about. And when Jesus left, they followed on in his ministry. And so when we read the book of Acts, we do so reading to see what does it mean to be a Christian, to be one who follows Christ? Because these people would have known best what it looks like because they saw it. Well, I'm just going to Cut right to it. When we look at what grace looks like in Acts, it looks pretty much the same as it looks like in Luke. Why is that? Because they saw what Jesus did. They heard from Jesus. They experienced grace directly. In Acts 1, Jesus is saying uh, goodbye to his earthly followers because he's about to ascend into heaven, and he gives them a mission to go and be witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea Samaria to all the ends of the earth. The disciples met Jesus, they heard about his mission, and they saw his salvation. Sounds a little bit like Simeon in Luke 2. In Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes as promised, and it falls in the room where the disciples and followers of Jesus were gathered in prayer, it causes this great commotion in the city of Jerusalem. And it spills out into the street, and people say, what is going on? We can hear this message of Jesus, and it's all in our own, in each language that we understand, but these people are all from Galilee, so what is going on? There's this Holy Spirit empowerment for mission, so each person hears the gospel. That's what grace looks like. Uh, Peter gets up to explain what's happened, and he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. 
You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. What does grace look like? It looks like the forgiveness of sins and the offer of salvation. In Acts 3, Peter and John are going up to the temple, the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. There was a man who was lame from birth. He was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from him. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I do not have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What does grace look like? It looks like healing, joy, wonder, and amazement. In Acts 4, we read about the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees who came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and so the number of men who believed grew to be 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are now being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. What does grace look like? Boldness to face opposition with courage. In Acts 5, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats, so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. What does grace look like in Acts? It looks like healing and deliverance. In Acts 5, the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go, stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. What does grace look like in Acts? It looks like supernatural provision. In Acts 8, the people had been scattered, but the word was preached wherever they went. Philip went to a town in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. What does grace look like in Acts? It looks like healing, deliverance, and joy. Okay, there's a lot more. Yeah. You get the idea, right? <laughs> this is what grace looks like. This is what grace looks like. Um, Jesus is up to a redeeming uh, mission and redeeming action in the world. 
Um, he did it when he was here on earth physically, and he imparted the gift of the Holy Spirit to empower us, his followers, to continue to live in grace. Uh, not only for ourselves, but also to be those who would extend grace to others. Uh, grace, as we've read about, is amazing. It's incredible. Uh, but grace is also challenging. And I want to just mention three challenges that come with grace. We've looked at what grace looks like. What are the challenges of grace? Well, I think there's at least three. Uh, one challenge with grace is it's so relentlessly loving. It's so relentlessly loving. And that actually is a problem for us a lot of the time. Because we're just not used to living life that way. Right? We're not used to receiving grace and love like that. And we're not used to giving it away. We just aren't. So it can challenge us sometimes. Uh, I think the second challenge is grace is so inclusive. Um, grace is for everyone. And that can frankly annoy us sometimes, right? Um, so if you just take a moment and think about somebody you really don't like, you do not get along with, they just really bug you, you don't even want to be in the same room as this person. Maybe you've even shared some things about this person that are less than edifying. Um, grace actually is equally for them as much as it is for you. That's challenging. Because we want it to be for us and people like us. And our culture encourages us to separate into groups and to divide and to divide and to divide. Uh, but that's not grace. Uh, grace is for everyone. It's equally for everyone. And part of the point of grace is that we overcome those divisions and come together. And final challenge with grace is it continually makes us grow and become more mature in our walk with the Lord. Grace doesn't leave us in one spot. Grace always pushes us to keep growing. And um, that can be challenging. Sometimes we don't want to keep growing. We want to say, all right, that's enough. Yeah. Enough growth. Aren't I there yet already? Come on. But grace pushes us to keep growing and to keep maturing in our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So we are called to live in grace. If you want help with this, look at your February prayer point because number one is a prayer for grace from Titus. You can pray that this month to help you with the challenge of what it means to live in grace. So as we close this morning, let's stand together. And I want to pray for us. I want to pray for us as a church. Pray for us as individuals. And uh, there's a very uh, famous hymn that you probably know. You've probably sung it many times. I want to just read it over you this morning as we close. And I want you to just kind of hear it. And just receive the words of it this morning as we finish out. It says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears 
relieved. How precious did that grace appear, the hour I first believed. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, we have already come. It was grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home.